The church is invariably local, regardless of how global the denomination seeks to be, works of faith are done face to face and there is no changing that. The crime of the state in circumventing the church and taking over much of the work that was done through the church was that it is impossible for the state to act locally. It is not possible for the state to act personally. The way the state works invariably makes it operate as a globalist institution. Most people do not see this conflict let alone how deep and divisive it is, and so to some degree support the state and its social justice function. Most Christians participate in elections. This marks you as a globalist. Of course, most persons do not think they have any other option than to vote and indeed that it is irresponsible not to vote. If one does not vote for the marginal Christian, quite likely one will get the overt atheist. All of this is quite true and participation in the electoral process does adhere to Romans 13. 1-8, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything, but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. The command is to submit to the governing authorities. To further support the commandment we are told that those who rebel against authority rebel against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Fair enough. If you are under a colonizer then obey him and do not rebel against him, because in fact rebellion and the exercise of force is a sin of the flesh, and a tactic of oppressors. But obedience to those whom we have submitted to does not mean we can have two masters. This problem of jurisdiction is a problem for Christians. Contrasted with Romans 13 is Matthew 6 verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Naturally the question that must be answered is if we serve God by serving the authorities? One might argue that we are. Judicially, the leader is God's representative on earth. But this is only so if we do not rebel. The state is the lawgiver, and the law does not save. The command to obey our earthly rulers simply illustrates how impossible it is for us to follow the law or follow a secular leader. We always fall short even as we fall short of the perfection God requires. But God forgives, the law and the state does not. When the Israelites first decided to have a king, this setup was not part of God's plan. But given a king we are duty-bound to obey him. There are only two ways this situation can be analyzed. Either the king is a perfect being and reflects God's plan for men in every detail, which means he is like Jesus and is perfect in God's eyes, or being a subject of the state is not a solution to the sin of man.
The church tries to argue that following the king is an integral part of God's plan for man on earth. But this seems a difficult proposition to prove considering the history of kings and other rulers. But if this is not the case, if the king invariably countermands the commandments of God, what is the alternative? Whatever the alternative is it cannot be reached by disorder, chaos, or by rebellion. God is the God of order, not chaos. God will not advocate rebellions or acts of destruction. If wrong is done it must come from the other side. But perhaps the clearest way to describe the situation we are in is to recall that God wants us to live in faith. We are to love one another. Those who love another must of necessity truth that other person. There is no escaping that conclusion. Nothing is more poisonous than an obsessive person who lacks trust in the object of his obsession. If we are under a king and desire to obey him then we must have faith that he will do what is best. The faithful servant must in fact love the one he serves, giving him the benefit of the doubt when there is doubt. But even saying this we have to realize this faith in our leader is doomed to fall flat at our feet. We can give these leaders the benefit of the doubt and assume they are doing their best, to the best of our ability, but leaders are intrinsically not godly persons and their agenda is not godly. The state is not godly and anyone perpetuating a power hierarchy is an enemy of God. So the more we follow them and the more we put our faith in them the more we will realize we are being led into damnation. Only faith in God can save us. We cannot be saved by total confidence in the qualities of an earthly leader. However, saying this, we have to realize much of what God tells us about obedience to our leaders is said specifically so we do not follow them. God do not want us to get caught up in the brainwashing that the state imposes on its subjects. If we follow our earthly leaders and seek to be good subjects, we will find there is a gulf opening up between us. If we do not rebel but seek to be a good citizen, we will find we are going a different way down a path different from that our leaders are on. It is absolutely vital we realize this fallen world is part of one system called Babylon. The modern equivalent is liberalism which like Babylon is a philosophy of globalism. Liberalism's answers are always social, socialist, utilizing social justice to centralize power into fewer and fewer hands. Rebellion is not the solution to social justice nor to globalism, and indeed rebellion confirms the globalist hypothesis that might makes right and the end justifies the means. If we revolt and cannot overthrow these globalist overlords, their social justice agenda is confirmed to be working and they are right in what they are doing. But worse, if we overthrow them, we will be embedded in the same mindset that justifies social justice agendas. Like the globalists we will become committed to our rebellion and using violence against those who would overthrow it. We need an alternative to the liberal social justice mindset. Defeating liberalism is not a matter of overthrowing the state or its institutions, we have to move beyond this kind of thinking, which sees force as a solution. If we rebel against the state, we put ourselves under the master of rebellion, which is Satan. To follow God requires we follow another way. We must not keep following the way laid out in the idea of social justice. Rebellion is a form of social justice. Social justice justifies the socialization of costs and the end it envisions. The very notion of rebellion brings to mind a cadre of committed activists creating havoc in order to awaken the masses. Rebellion against the state is the genesis of a competing state. It is not infrequent that revolution metastasis into a tyranny.
the populist hero of today transforms into the autocrat of tomorrow, who then becomes the target of a new generation of rebels. This is not God's way and those who rebel against the state do not have God as their master. The rebel is simply doing social justice a different way than what is being done by the state. The state and its social justice agenda push the state towards globalism. Social justice warriors look for victims of injustice and seek resources to alleviate that injustice. Environmentalism is the perfect social justice movement. Those who are impacted by pollution or environmental devastation are victims of industrialization and deserve recompensating for the harm they have experienced. Meanwhile, the undeveloped world continues to develop and spew pollutants into the air, water, and soil. But the undeveloped world pollutes as victims, not as aggressors and colonialists. But, since the Western world already went through its industrial phrase, Westerners have no moral right to hinder the rest of the world from going through this same stage. But then we are faced with the prospect of the smallest group, having the most advanced economies, trying to find ways of reducing their carbon footprint. But anything the West does has a minimal impact on the planet. Westerners restrict the use of single-use plastics and send ships out to clean the oceans of floating debris, while third-world nations dump their garbage into rivers that feed directly into the ocean. Our efforts at social justice have made us foils and dupes of every kind of social justice scam. We are prey to every con on the planet. It is as if we were reducing our emissions so our neighbors could increase their level of waste without suffering any negative impacts. The West is being exploited by their government domestically, nationally in support of a globalist social justice agenda, which in the end, will result in a one-world government. The Apriorian House Church defeats the globalist agenda. Any group is a church depending on the relationships formed between members. What can be debated is the level of faith manifested in the relationships of its members. It is the faith of the people that ultimately defeats globalism and its social agenda. For too long people have been led to believe there is such a thing as a human race. The human race is the race of those who live in the flesh. Those of the spirit resemble those who live in the flesh, but we have been born a new being. We live in the spirit. We live in faith. It is not the physical form of the group that has to change to create an a priorian house church, AHC, or trust, it is the faith of its members. If we do not trust one another we fear one another and if we fear one another we will look for an agency to allay our fears and we will look for an agency to give us justice, social justice. We cannot claim to have faith in God if we cannot trust those whom we call our neighbor. Believers must come together in faith. Please visit the Apriorian website for further information and access more of our videos and podcasts.